Welcome to the Photo Report, where we have conversations with top-level photographers and other professionals that are doing rad things with rad people. And we are in the middle of some really tough times right now that are uncertain. There's a lot of fear. And today, just as an appropriate thing where people are locked down in their houses, I thought it would be a really good topic to bring on some experts in the marriage space because where typically people are off working and at jobs and then you're home for a little bit of the day, it can be sort of an escape. You're now sort of stuck in the same confined area with possibly little people as well and you now have to do life all the time together. So I just thought it would be a really handy conversation to talk with some people that counsel couples. And if you're not married, maybe this is still a a benefit for when you do get married. But um, I know a lot of people, especially if you're a wedding photographer or if you're a creative entrepreneur, you are either doing this solo or then there's a lot of times that couples do this together and those all bring up their own issues. But introducing Megan and Casey from Marriage 365. Hey, how are you guys? We're doing good. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, will you introduce yourselves a little bit? Tell us about who you are as a couple and then how, yeah, what's Marriage 365? Um, Okay. So Megan and I have been married 17 years. We've got two kids um, and we're doing really good in our marriage, but it wasn't always like that. In fact, when we first got married... Um, probably by, well, it started on day one and it was a sprint to the bottom. Um, by year three, we hated each other, wanted a divorce, couldn't communicate. Sex was not that great. (laughs) It was one-sided. Um, it was more great for you. Definitely not great for me. Uh, we buried ourselves in hundreds of thousands of debt. Um, we had in-law issues. We were struggling with infertility. I mean, it was we were the couple that was least likely to succeed. I mean, if there was anything that could have gone wrong, it did go wrong with us and we were paying the price. You know, we thought we were escaping our childhood baggage into each other's arms only to realize that we were bringing all of that with us. And so, you know, it took us some time to get our feet back underneath us. Um, But once we did, a lot of our friends came up to us and said, you know, there's, something really significant, significantly different about you guys. I mean, we saw how ugly it was. We overheard some of the fights um, and things like that. And so uh, people kind of came out of the woodwork and started asking us, what What did you guys do to turn your marriage around? And that led us to kind of start sharing that online. And then as things go, it kind of got viral and started picking up steam. And um, people were asking us our opinions. And then we started really figuring out how can we resource for couples that were would be like us, stuck, maybe they're afraid to share about their struggles, they don't wanna tell their friends or family, um, they don't have the tools and resources. So we, we started to think about like, could we create tools and resources that we could have used when we were hurting? Yeah, because we were we were very disappointed with what was out there when we were struggling in our marriage. Uh, counseling is wonderful, but the reality is it's extremely expensive and we just couldn't afford, uh, you know, a once a week or twice a week counseling session. And so if you can't afford counseling, what are your other options? And to be honest, there's not a lot and it's really, really difficult. Yeah. And I would say we were coaching couples early on individually, but Megan and I 
really started to feel like, well, we keep constantly saying the same things to couples. So what if we started filming ourselves, sharing our practical advice and wisdom to others? And could that be a scalable business model to follow after? So yes, so basically we started Marriage 365. Gosh, it's almost been seven years ago. We've been doing this full-time for five years um, together. And we reach about 3 million couples every week around the world. And most of our resources are all online. So and affordable and affordable because that is key (laughs) to a lot of people in their marriage is it's got to be affordable. It's got to be easy to use convenient. And that's really, again, we're meeting the need from what the need that we had. And when we were, you know, almost divorced. Rad. And so with, well, well, I want to ask a little bit more about like, what are some particular resources towards the end of this, but just thinking about this time right now where like, fear is everywhere, whether it's like the media is just, it's, if you've got an iPhone, which a lot of us do, you know, the news feed is the first thing that you see in the morning and everything is just like horrific news. Uh, Casey has given me a a great example of what the, what this fear is like um, the other day, but you know, it's, it's just like, it's everywhere. And so it's so hard to not, and then some people are more prone to lean towards fear and some people are not, some people are ignoring it and they, we all deal with our stuff our own way. But what I'm thinking through is how much fear, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but how much fear plays into then how we interact with other people and then how we interact with our spouses. And so I just wanted to have you guys come on to sort of even talk through like, what are some of the things that couples might be facing right now? Whether it's like now they're stuck together and they've got to actually be together and maybe face some of like the harder stuff that they had, or maybe they've had a great relationship and now they're stuck together in one house confined. And, you know, then with that situation, they have to, again, like, how do you, how do you do this? Well, is, is ultimately what I'm getting at. Yeah. So my mind goes a thousand different ways because there's so many excuses we've been hearing for the over the past years why people don't work on their marriage. And then what first thing they say is, you know, we're just too busy. We in fact we would say busyness is the number one killer of marriages because what happens is it's almost like the dark side of success, right? Success is a great thing, but you know, it it keeps us disconnected because we're we're scrambling doing all these things. Uh, whether the business is growing, so we put more time and effort into it because we think we can make it grow even more so. Um, you know, once we start our family and the kids pull us apart. And we're entering in an unprecedented time that we will talk and our kids will talk to their grandkids about of what they experienced during these, these next, I mean, the last two weeks, three weeks, and however long it continues. And I think we're facing one of those moments where we can change the way we do relationships because people are actually being forced now to interact with each other. So rather than avoiding, rather than running away and escaping or numbing out even, people are going to have to face their issues. And when stress comes, I always feel like, um, so the dark side of success is it can mask the issues that you're dealing with, right? Because if the money's coming in, right, then we don't have to deal with our budget. But that's not the reason why we deal with money. Money is meant to bring us together as a couple and deal with being accountable, building trust and showing respect. So the stress comes and I feel like it almost, it turns everything inside out and reveals what's really there, right? 
And if you are doing really good, you're doing the maintenance of marriage, the stressful time is a great time because it's going to reveal this like, yeah, we've got this. But if you haven't maintained your marriage and the stress comes, unfortunately, it's going to start to reveal all of these broken areas that need to be addressed. And you know what? Now I think it's great because it's going to force couples to address them. There's definitely no more excuses for busyness that I don't have time. And I think too, I just want to speak into the fear, you know, fear causes anxiety. Mm. And if we stew in the fear, it actually becomes bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Like we're giving it more space in our hearts, our thoughts. Um, It can affect our sleep, our eating patterns, obviously our relationships. And so I think the best and easiest thing to do is if someone's experiencing any kind of fear or anxiety is to talk about it with their spouse. Just have a real, raw, authentic conversation to say, you know what? I'm scared. I'm terrified right now. I don't know what's going to happen with our business or I'm sick of the kids being home every day. Whatever that is, I think we're, we're all internalizing a lot of it. A lot of information is coming at us from the news, social media, and we're all trying to process it and balance it, but to actually get it out and have a healthy conversation with our spouse is the first step Mm. into starting to really process and think and feel and even mourn. I mean, some of us just have to mourn. Like this isn't what I wanted in life. This, you know, my Mm -hmm. business is hurting or I need this break for my kids. I mean, I keep saying that because I'm, I'm one of those people that I love my children, but I am a mom, I'm a working mom. And I like to have that break for my kids and to even admit that it's okay. Cause that's the truth. And that's what I'm thinking and feeling, but to internalize it and not, and not speak it out is really unhealthy for all of us. And so I really believe not posting something on social media to strangers, but I think actually having a real heart to heart conversation with your spouse about your fears, your thoughts, your anxiety, your, your concerns is going to bring this emotional intimacy in our relationship that we all want. Isn't that the thing about marriage? I mean, we get to bear each other's burdens and our, our fears and concerns. And I think that the number one thing to deal with anxiety is to be able to vent and own it. And, but to have someone supportive in our lives and validate it and validate it. And I think, you know, it's funny cause we've always heard about post stress, traumatic disorder, PTSD. And I think our whole nation's going through this, what I would call pre stress traumatic disorder where everyone's caught up in this frenzy of fear. I met, I saw a neighbor who had his grocery cart, you know, loaded to the top. Like it was like, nothing could fit more. It was, it was like a mound. And when I talked to him, it was like talking to a, a cornered cat with the claws out. Like he, a normal, intelligent, healthy person turning into this fear. scared, yeah, fear driven person. It was really like it took jarring. Us, it took us back a while. Yeah. yeah. It was really weird to see experience. So, so how, um, and I, I, I think that women do this better than men, which is why I'm directing the question to you, Megan. And, and I think men, what men typically do poorly is they're not good at, maybe I'm just projecting, but, um, and sorry for you men that are very sensitive and, uh, but, uh, Casey, the, um, <laughs> Is, is let's, I'm just trying to think through how do you do this? Well, Hmm. you know, so let's, what you were just sharing, Megan, is the idea of like being vulnerable. 
yeah. talking about your shares. And then and one of the other things I want to bring up too is some of those feelings that you were saying, like, I don't want my kids. I'm ready to like, I don't want my kids anymore. <laughs> you know, like there's, there's a lot for a lot of people that causes shame, you know, and shame yeah, is a big okay. feeling as well, where that, where you're, the message that you're saying is like, no, no, no that's actually a pretty normal feeling. <laughs> uh, it doesn't yeah. mean you don't love your kids. Um, but I just wanted to address that because I think I'm someone that leans towards shame. I beat the crap out of myself and that's not very healthy, but, um, look, looking at how you do this well in the sense of being vulnerable and, and because the not doing it well is being vulnerable and having it not be received well. Right. And then, yeah. then, then you now feel destroyed. Yeah. So a couple things, first off in our marriage, Casey's actually the more sensitive one. <laughs> It's true. Um, I'm actually more of a thinker and he's more of a feeler, which, which stereotypically isn't the case, right? Women yeah. are usually more feelers. Men are more thinkers. So we have very role reversal in our marriage for a couple things. I cry at every Pixar movie. I'll, I'll own it. He's totally romantic. He's more sensitive. Um, <laughs> he, he really, it's, it's, it's why I fell in love with him. I mean, I love that about him. I'm glad I have that because if I didn't, if I married someone just like me, my life would be really boring. But I always like to say, um, so I'm not trying to plug our own resources, but honestly, we give couples the guided questions to ask. Mm -hmm. We have a, yeah. a whole book with 365 connecting questions that's just supposed to start sparking the conversations. Right now, you know, we are doing a connection challenge where, you know, every day you email with a question to ask your spouse question to ask your kids and then in like a challenge to do as either a family or as a couple and so there are people like us out there they're like I can't be creative and think of the question to ask my spouse right but this is one of the best questions that you can start this conversation with right now is tell me how you're feeling about and then fill in the blank so you could say tell me how you're feeling about the news and what you've heard that could be one conversation Another one is tell me about how you're feeling with having the kids be at home, right? So it's very open and we want to make sure that mm -hmm. the, the, the answers aren't yes or no's, no uh, answers, that they're open-ended, that the discussion could go on for 5, 10, 20 minutes. Um, Nonverbal communication, right, is about 90% of our communication. So you want to put away your phone, show your spouse with your body language that you are fully interested in what they have to say and share. That provides kind of this safety mm -hmm. underneath the surface, like, okay, they're, they're present, they're interested. Um, and I think that you could just go through each area of tell me how you're feeling about your parents being elderly, you know, and, and go through where you're scared. Tell us how you feel about our finances right now with me not working. And I, I, again, I think that you could use our resources or you can just start with those kinds of questions. Here's the key where you said like, one spouse might get triggered or, you know, here you are being vulnerable and you don't know how your spouse is going to respond. So again, that's living in fear. If you are afraid of how your spouse is going to respond, that's going to keep you from being vulnerable. And the only person that you have control over is you. So this is what I say for marriage. If you want to make a better marriage, make a better you. That's what we say. That's what we say. Yes. <laughs> that's what we say all the time. But I truly people need to hear that because don't allow yourself to not do what you vowed to do on your wedding day, just because you're afraid of your spouse's response. Mm, so, good. so at the end of the day, you can say, you know what? I asked how my spouse was doing. I checked in. I listened. I showed non-verbally that I was interested in what they were. I validated my spouse. And so those are the things you have control over your words, your actions, 
your behaviors, your forgiveness, your mistakes, those are the things that you can control right now. And with a world where there's a lot we cannot control, that's what your main focus should be on. And if your spouse is triggered or if your spouse doesn't want to talk to you, guess what? That actually has little to nothing to do with you. That's yeah. their own stuff going on. And you did your effort that, that you promised you would on your wedding day. And that builds confidence, right? Because I did what I could. I, I did my best. And I think confidence can withstand sometimes your spouse freaking out. You can stand confident saying, well, but I, I'm doing my part. And I think when couples aren't doing their part, that's where the insecurities come out because the regrets there. Well, I, sh I should have been maintaining my marriage. I should have been going on date nights. Should have been checking in regularly. But one of the things that was you were mentioned as you were talking, Megan, is you know, for those entrepreneurial couples, right? I think it's really good to ask the question, how do you feel about our business and about the, the challenges that we're facing? Um, you know, Megan and I, there's Casey and Megan who love each other, have the hots for each other, are dating each other. Then there's Casey and Megan of Marriage 365. <laughs> we always talk about like how we swap hats, like, do you want me as a wife or do you want me as a business partner? I actually asked that yeah. question, by the way, before we have a conversation because he is a feeler and I'm less triggered. And so I'll be like, do you want me to be your wife? Which means that you want validation. You want me to listen to you. You want me just to accept everything you're saying? Or do you want me to be your business partner? Which means I'm going to call you out on your shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, mean, I got to ask it, yeah, right? It's true. It's true. But I, I think... Um, you know, being in business together is is a unique challenge facing any couple because I think you've got to, you know, know your lanes, know, know your functions that you provide for the business. You need to defer. You know, I think if anything, an, a really good, successful entrepreneurial couple that works together understands their differences and appreciates their differences in such a a, a a unique, yeah, but a unique way that doesn't show up in other marriages. But, you know, Megan and I also are in the marriage business. So when we talk about our marriage, are we talking about business or are we talking about our personal life? So there's no bound, like boundary sets. We, we talked about setting them up and then we're like, screw it. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so I think as we start looking at the face of fear and anxiety that we feel on a personal level, then you also have to step into how does that fear and anxiety show up as an employee or business partner with each other? Because that that's... There's two separate conversations. Yeah. yeah so I think in, in that, like what, what are best practices? Like let's, let's start with like couples that are working together. Like what, and let's, let's assume that they've, things were successful and business has sort of taken off. So they've been busy and they've just sort of like been going in parallel or, you know, whether I think this can apply to couples working together or let's just assume like <laughs> the economy has been doing well. So you've been working your tail off. Maybe you both work, maybe you both work together and things have been skyrocketing. So you're busy, you know, and back to what Casey started out saying was busy, busyness is sort of an excuse to not work on things. And so now things have stopped. And I've, I've sort of been describing it as like, we've been given the gift of time. 
Mm-hmm. And with this gift of time, and just in the last episode that I was talking about, is like you have like there's there's this big shakeout of being able to look at all of the stuff that you haven't had time to look at. And, and this sifting that happens to then actually look at like, wow, we actually spend a lot of money on stuff we don't need, you know, whether it's finances or whether it's like, we ne- like when we're to get like, what have we done lately to invest in ourselves? I guess let's, let's assume that people have been busy and let's assume they've not been doing work on themselves or their marriage. Uh, so I think maybe now that like, things they have been given the gift of time. What are some like baby steps that people can start making into this direction? I, that's a great question because I think that um, some spouses are more realistic um, and they know already the areas that have been struggling. So maybe it's like sex and intimacy or money, right? And I think some spouses either that are optimistic or they just don't want to come to the reality and, and speak truth. Um, or they've been minimizing or avoiding issues, um, don't really want to be honest and have those conversations. So this is why we have a My Marriage 365 checkup. It's actually like a health assessment for your marriage. And it helps you define like what areas need to focus on because, you know, a wife might say, oh, baby, like we have not been doing great in the bedroom. And the husband's like, oh, I think we've been great. Right. So then what do you do with that? Well, one person feels like we're, we're struggling and the other spouse is like, I think we're fine. So is someone right or wrong? And so I think that our assessment will help you, you know, kind of figure that out. But I, I do think that it's important to kind of go through each area. You know, we, we would say there's seven core areas in your marriage that you need to focus on. Um, you know, let's see if we can name them all out. So one would be communication. So again, here's the question. Uh, how do you feel like our communication is? And if you're working together, it's how do you feel like our communication is in the business? And then how do you feel like our communication is when we're not in the business and we're just hanging out as a family. So communication is one area you've got to talk about and address. Another one would be conflict and repair. Do we fight fairly? Do you feel like I apologize when I make mistakes? And then how are we repairing? Like how's our trust levels? So that's a huge area that we've got to make sure in marriage that we're getting right. Um, Another one would be roles and responsibilities. And this of course is complicated when you work together because there's a lot of different roles and responsibilities. Again. What are the ones for work and what are the ones personal Um, family, family of origin, upbringing, family relationships, in-laws, all of that. How are we handling that? Um, Help me out, babe. What's what's the other one? Sex, uh, sex. How could you I miss that? sex? How could Sorry. you miss sex? Sex and intimacy. You know, hey, if you're not busy, you should be getting busy in the bedroom now, right? <laughs> <laughs> now you've got time. There's no way you're too tired. Well, now the kids are at home and they're like staying up later. So I'm like. I know. Our kids, that's time for bedtime. That's been an adjustment for sure. <laughs> if you've got older kids, right? They don't take naps and they're up late. So, um, and then obviously self-discovery, like self-awareness, just being a learner of who you are. Hmm. And then your friendship. The seventh category is your friendship, your emotional connection. Are we best friends, right? And you, you just check in with each other. And I think that evaluating right now, like what have we been avoiding? Uh-huh. What, what have we been doing well? And I think you should celebrate your wins. Like what are we doing well? in, And what have we like not mastered? Cause I don't think we ever master anything within marriage, but what if we, we can look back and say, well, we're really proud of each other. We've worked yeah. really hard in this area and celebrate it because it is something to be celebrated, but then to take an evaluation of everything else and to go, okay, like 
we, we got, this is the time we're going to work on this. I do think that's baby step number one. If you don't know the area, you could waste your time, you know, working on things. And I'll tell you this, the number one area that all couples should always be working on is their emotional connection, which is really that friendship because friends, really good friends, they can deal with their budget and really good friends. They can deal with in-law issues. Right. And so you just kind of go through each of the areas. Are we friends with benefits then? We are best friends with benefits, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I would probably say from a more practical, well, not that that was not practical. I'm sorry. More um, just like strategic level of like, how do couples work together? I hinted at before, you know, knowing your lanes and communicating those lanes and functions like, okay. So for example, in our business, um, I'm technically, well, I'm CEO. So I'm doing operations. I'm doing money. I'm doing finances. I'm doing all the operational side of things. Megan's more focused on the content and we kind of, you know, there's times where I'm actually like, okay, you're going to task me with certain things. I'm going to task her with certain things, but we know each other's lanes and the functions that we play. Technically, he always has to check in with me. (laughs) I technically oversee all of Marriage 365, but then he's my CEO. (laughs) But technically, I'm I'm in charge of everything. You are. It's interesting because all the ideas come from me, from my brain, and then I give them to my CEO, and then my CEO tasks everybody with people. Anyways. Anyways, it's complicated. I, I think another really powerful tool that we teach couples is called the weekly marriage business meeting. And it's a a logistics meeting on the marriage side of things, the personal side of things. But I think for that's been a lifesaver for us working together is actually having a list of check marks of things that we need to be um, doing on a weekly basis, like looking at our weekly menu, what's our family schedules look like. But when we're doing our family schedules, it also blends into, well, what are the business hours? What are the business schedule things? Um, it's, we, we schedule sex. We yeah, do. We, we do. actually schedule sex because if we don't put it on the calendar, it doesn't happen to be, to be completely honest with you. So, and for the, hey. for the naysayers out there on that one, where it's like, well, there's, that's not romantic. What, how, what do you tell people that would like respond into that? Well, we have, uh, we have a lot to say. So if you're having spontaneous sex often, don't schedule it, keep doing it. Yeah, but guess good what? for you. That's only, yeah. that's only 10% of couples. Maybe. Maybe a fat. So those, we know, we liars. know the, the, yeah, we know the statistics behind all that. So the 10 percenters can still keep having spontaneous sex. Everyone else is either dissatisfied with the amount and the frequency, either one spouse or both spouses. So for the 90 percent, um, it, there is romance. You, you can explain this. I would yeah, say, well, I, I mean, love our, it because he's so much nicer to me that but, day when sex, sex is scheduled, <laughs> which by the <laughs> way is happening, me, happening tonight. He sends me flowers. <laughs> He flirts with me in text. He helps put the kids to bed. There's like foreplay throughout the whole day. I walk past her desk. I flash her. It's, you know. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, um, you know, our largest sex organ is our brain. It's not, it's, uh, you know, when when our mind thinks about and and knows like this is what's coming up, I I think it's a greater anticipation for sex. I I mean, I don't think ever during our, sexual activity. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Uh, comprehensively. I've never thought, oh yeah, well this is scheduled. So this is really a waste not, of time. Yeah. I don't think that's ever been even crossed my mind. It's sure it's, it's perfunctory or it's, it's forced into our schedule, but 
who wouldn't want sex forced into their schedule? This is what I tell women. I say after an orgasm, I, I, every time after a woman has an orgasm, don't you think ladies, like, why did I not want to do that? Cause that was so awesome. I just, I don't know. I've every friend I have that orgasms, they're like, why did I not want to do that? What was my hesitation? And so for me, we, we make the time for things that matter. Mm -hmm. And if our sex life is a priority in our marriage, yep. we'll make the time for it. Sorry. That's just how it goes. <laughs> and so again, if you're, if, if you're having spontaneous sex, don't schedule it, but that's not the case for most people. Let me address this real quick too, because I love that we're talking about sex. It's our favorite topic to talk about. I hope you invite us back just to talk all about sex. <laughs> Deal. Yeah. Any of your, uh, what are those, this lingerie photography? Boudoir. 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 Boudoir photographers. We talk about sex. Um, okay. So here's the thing that's, that is an interesting dynamic to take into account for those that work together. There's something beautiful about going away all day, not seeing Megan, coming home and seeing her again. And it's like, Oh, that's right. I missed you. Right. It's hard, it's hard to miss someone when they, when you never leave. It's, yes. It's literally, that? you know, this is one thing that couples that are on, working together have to recognize that um, the science behind attraction is not being naked together. The science behind attraction is the fact that you have emotional connection and you nurture it. That's what makes someone attractive. Yeah. When you know and you can trust and rely and depend on someone, that makes somebody attractive. When they stand in confidence, not insecurities, but they stand with confidence, you know, in who they are, knowing who they are, knowing their strengths and weaknesses, and they're, they're going through the process of self-discovery, that's sexy. Because yep. uh, I think oftentimes there's been thoughts where I look at, I, I look at Megan, but I don't see her because we're just running through the day. She's just the person that works with me, lives with me, parents with me. And I think that it's just something to be aware of that can creep in and not to get freaked out about, but just to know that that's part of being in each other's presence all the time. Mm -hmm. And while I wouldn't give this advice to other couples, by the time it's nighttime, Megan and I actually have to separate. Peace out, brother. I need my time. I need we, my alone time. We need that alone time. And I wouldn't say that to most couples because- well, Can we stop you there? Like how did, for a lot of people that might feel like you're not supposed to do that or one person might feel that and the other, like how, how did that get discovered and how did you decide that in a healthy way? Because right, you're supposed to be together during those times. I'm doing air quotes for those of you that can't yeah. see me. Yeah. Exactly. So we, so when you run a business together, right, your hours are, you get to pick your hours really um, a lot of the times. And so we learned that when we're working together in the day that we both of us need alone time. And that in that weekly marriage business meeting, we have all these little check marks and one of them is alone time. And we're recognizing that when we were trying to force staying together after being together for eight hours, that we would be short with each other, grumpy, and just not recharged for the next day. Yeah. And so what we do is we have certain nights where if we know we're going to work um, all day long, that we don't schedule sex that night and we have alone time after the kids go to bed. So he does his thing, I do my thing, and we don't take it personal because we've already addressed it. It's not in the, it's not in the moment. So it's not like, hey, baby, you want to get it on? Oh, no, no, no. It's alone time tonight. So this was discussed a week before. So it's already on the calendar. 
Now, obviously the nights that we have it scheduled where we have our in-home date nights or we go out for a date night, um, you know, we, we, we make sure that we work a little less together that day and so that we're ready to spend the evening together. But I would say to that point, Brady, I think we have a high trust relationship. Um, we do not neglect connecting together so that, 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 you know, an hour, like I'll go down to the jacuzzi or something like that. That hour away is not like we're running away from each other or escaping from each other. We've maintained those date nights. We've maintained sexual intimacy. We, we've talked, we've connected, or usually actually what we do is once the kids go to bed, we'll play two, two, three games of gin rummy. We love card games and board games, you know, and then it's like, okay, now I need my time. Megan can go, you know, do her nighttime routine, face, face cream, <laughs> I love washing. Give, I love giving myself facials. And so I have, I'm a product junkie. So yeah. he's like, what are you putting on your face today? <laughs> and for me, you know, so it's, it's just a matter of, uh, of finding that healthy rhythm that's discussed in a way that's not, you know, Hey, I'm just going to, we don't make unilateral decisions. Like I'm just leaving. So suck it up like there's there's it's, conversations it's a lot of it's it's the pre you've you've decided this already you know you've decided yeah. that that's that's something that's nice about a schedule that's predecided upon because now there's there's expectations and they're not false expectations or hopeful expectations exactly. and we're secure enough to know like Casey said that we are better spouses and better coworkers when we have alone time so i think everybody needs to know how to practice their own self-care. Everybody does something different. So for both of us, like working out is like a non-negotiable. We both work out. We both need that time for each other, like by ourselves to work out. And so we give each other that time. And we're so glad we do because, you know, obviously after you work out, you feel sexier in the bedroom, you feel healthier, you feel better. And so this is something we've done for over 10 years. What? And so it's the same thing yeah. with alone time is to say, hey, like, we were together for eight hours. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. It just means like, I need a break. And, and if you're confident in who you are and you talk about it ahead of time, there's no hurt feelings. Can, yeah. Can, I would love to hear the opposite, like when expectations are unmet. So this is the opposite of scheduling sex, because like you're saying, most, most couples, the 10, there's 10% that are spontaneous rabbits that are just having the time of their lives. And there's going to be the, uh, the coronials that come after this, this, uh, nine months from now. But, um, with, with the other 90% where one couple or one person in the relationship possibly, you know, wants sex more than the other, you know, and basically unmet expectations, whether that's vulnerability, whether that's sex, whether that's whatever it is, I guess, how do you, yeah. Okay. Does that so make sense? My question. Unmet expectations come from a couple different things. Number one assumptions. We assume our spouse should know what we're thinking and feeling and needing and wanting. Right. So that is a big mistake that I would say the majority of couples make. Like we've been together for 17 years. You should just know that I want sex on Friday nights. Um, or sorry, not to bring up sex again, but you know, you should just know that I wanted you to do the dishes, whatever that is. And so we make assumptions and then we get really upset. And then when you actually peel back layers or you go to counseling or you learn our techniques and tools, you go, oh, well, I didn't really communicate clearly what my expectations were. And so that comes from making assumptions. The other thing is, and we do this often in marriage, is we say things in passing. So we communicate like one spouse is, you know, 
making dinner and you're like, oh, hey, baby, tonight we need to do this. This is totally, I love, you can't see, Casey's raising his hand, yep. pointing to himself. She's looking guilty. at me like. Mm -hmm. um, but, but he'll say things in passing. The kids are screaming, dogs barking, I'm making dinner. I'm not really paying attention. So he thinks in his mind, well, I communicated to Megan that this is what we're gonna work on tonight. Tonight comes and he's like, what are you doing? What do you, and then I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He's like, I told you, you know, remember? And so I think the other thing we do, so we make assumptions, definitely number one. The second thing we do is we say things in passing and it means a lot to you, but in your, your spouse, they didn't know it was that important or they didn't hear you. They didn't understand your perspective. And this is why we have to kind of have clear communication where there's, I don't want to say a serious, what would be a better word? Like not a serious conversation, but well, no, it's you're, formal. You're communicating. Intentional, maybe. And eliminating distractions. You're being very intentional in your communication. Intentional, And yes. checking in there, like, are you with me? Are you with me? Yes, like not saying it in passing, not saying it over text message because we can't hear tone, right? But to say like, hey, this is really important to me and I want to make sure we talk about this. And then you sit down on the couch, limit distractions and talk about it. And that's what you did when you were dating. And that's what she was doing when you're engaged. And then somewhere along the way, when we're married, we just stop having intentional conversations yeah. and we assume our spouse is a mind reader and they're not. I have a third one. Go for it. <laughs> um, I, and I, I speak from personal experience. Um, you know, I'm Mr. Positivity, Mr. Optimistic. I have, um, some of it comes from my childhood wounding and compensation from that where I, I'd like to see the world a better place than what it is. Um, and I believe that the biggest reason why I get into trouble is through unrealistic expectations. Um, and probably falls into the category of just assuming that maybe we would know or not communicating. But this is now more like I over-idealizing moments that we're supposed to have as a couple, as a business owner, as, you know, um, you know, I, I, fan, I have a fantasy about how things should be. And if they don't happen, right, that's when I start to get bent out of shape. Yeah. That stuff's hard. So in which, and I think that goes back to what you, you start, you briefly mentioned that one of your resources is talking about having like a marriage biz, like a business meeting that's for your marriage. Yeah. yeah that would be like a weekly business meeting. A weekly marriage business meeting. Yeah. So something like that, where that is, a, that is the time where even like, if you were to go into a meeting without any preparation, it would be a waste of time for your employees. Same deal going into that meeting of thinking through what are some of the things that like, I'm sure you have a little template of what are the things that you want to address. So then you can sort of pre-think those things before the meeting. And so now it's like, again, like scheduled sex, you're like, if you don't make time for it, it's going to, it's your time's going to get filled up. Whatever law of you know, filling your time, <laughs> whatever time you allot to something, it's going to expand to that time given. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I love that. So what, what are some of, where can people go to find some of these resources? Like, and, and also you had mentioned you're doing a challenge right now. Can you speak into that challenge and how do people find that if they want to join into it? Yeah. So the best way to stay in touch with marriage 365 is to get on our email list. Uh, one thing that we never send is spam and we don't email you every day, <laughs> except for right now, this challenge that we're doing uh, with the COVID-19 um, 
just issues that our world's facing right now, we wanted to be a source of hope and encouragement for people that are stuck at home. And so if you get on our email list every morning, we send you an email and it has one question for, for couples to, uh, to ask each other and one question for families and then a connecting challenge that you can do either with your spouse or with your family. But um, we have a membership. It's a monthly membership. It's uh, some... I would say that honestly, it's my very favorite thing that we do is we film once a month, a webcast about a relate of a relationship topic, a marriage related topic. And sometimes we will pull in an expert or we'll interview someone and we talk about it and we teach you how to really be a team when it comes to this specific topic. And then with each of our webcasts, there's um, a worksheet that includes more connecting questions, action plans. So you're like, okay, we've got issues with boundaries of the opposite sex. Watch our webcast and then go through the worksheet together. And then you feel like equipped to know what to do next. And so you can find all of that on our website at marriage365.org. And it's the numbers 365. Yes, yes, marriage365.org. Perfect. And then to get on the mailing list, if you wanted to get into that challenge, is you just is that going to pop up on the home screen? Yep. That's the same thing. Just go to marriage365.org. You can't miss it. And of Fun. course, follow us on social media because I think, you know, right now, especially everyone's on social media, but we do fun things. We do lives and sometimes dance parties and you never know what you're going to get with us. Yeah. I love that. Well, I mean, it's one of the things I have four kids for people that know that or don't know that, but the, w- some of the things that I really like to do also having been a youth pastor back in the day, <laughs> uh, you know, being able to have questions that are provocative in the sense of not sexy provocative, but to get people to actually think and to get them to talk and those open-ended questions, but being able to have like a dinnertime question that gets asked. So something like that. And they've got their book, which is, what's it called, Casey? 365 Connecting Questions for Families. That's the one I'm holding up on screen right now. And uh, this one's geared for grade age kids and like ages like five and up is ideal. Yeah. So we have questions about education, dreams, some are just for fun, feelings, character, family, technology, so just even not, bowling. So. so just, you know, we, we take it a whole step further than just like, what's your favorite color? You know, cause those things are fun, but we also want to get kids thinking. And, and then of course we have a book for couples and we have a book for engaged couples as well. And all of these books are also eBooks. So you can do the printed version or you can do eBooks as well. But again, we, I mean, we have online courses. We, I don't want to overwhelm you. We have pretty much a resource for anybody from seriously dating to considering divorce. And most of them are all online because we want to help. We want to help. And we, we believe that no one should you know, live with regret that they could have tried or they could have had a resource that could have helped them. And we believe that our resources really do work and are effective if you put them into practice. That is amazing. Thank you so much for doing the work that you to do because I mean, I, I think it's a really important thing to have a good, healthy marriage. And with that, I would say I'm going to put all as many links as I can in. If you go to the photoreport.com slash marriage 365, I'm going to all list their books. I'll list their website and all that. But you can also just go to marriage 365.org and find all that there. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys can be well during this time and 
consider this, really, this gift of time that you've been given to really go back through all the crap, sift through and get rid of, like clean house, spring clean. You know, this has been given an early spring break, whether that's in your business, whether that's in your relationships, whether that's with just everything. So this this can be a really neat opportunity to just sort of clean house and hope you're able to do that. Just uh, if you need help, there's resources out there. Reach out to these two. I don't have other resources off the top of my head to give you for needing more help, but you can reach out to me. I'm Brayden uh, at Brayden Flynn on Instagram and happy to point you in directions, happy to give you feedback on things. But if you're struggling during this time, please reach out and I would love to be just a helpful voice in that Again, Brayden, B-R-A-E-D-O-N, Flynn uh, on the gram. So thanks so much, guys. We'll see you on the next one.